If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Welcome to the Colossians 3.1 podcast. Whether you've been a Christian your whole life or are new to the faith, we invite you to join our discussion as we dive into theology, objections to the faith, common questions, and hot topics in an effort to better know, love, and follow Jesus Christ. Hey everyone, my name is Barrett. Welcome to the Colossians 3.1 podcast. In the room with me, we have Jared Jernigan. Ahoy! Zach Rimsberg. Hey guys. And Sam Draper. What's up, party people? And since I didn't get to say something fun, what's up? <laughs> Sam said what's up. You don't yeah, that was taken. Well, I just was on the spot, and I didn't know what to say. <laughs> oh, oh well, what's going on over here? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> Jared's taking off his sweatshirt. We all got a little too excited. That's why we need video feed. <laughs> We have a face for radio. <laughs> so today, we are um, going to piggyback a little bit off of um, what, where we, the sermon we all just listened to um, at the church that we go to regarding how Jericho got conquered and wiped out. And so we're going to discuss God's wrath. And how can a God, how can God be all good and still do things like wipe out an entire city? Along with that, we're going to talk about the song Good by, by Cody Carnes, uh, which is just, it, which goes along with um, that topic as well. Yeah. So, so Barry, you kind of brought this song to our table. I haven't heard, I didn't hear about it before. Where did you hear this song by Cody and why, why did it kind of stand out to you? So I heard this song on um, Air One, I think, or some some Christian radio station, and it stood out to me because it was the song repeatedly just says God is good, God is good. Some of the lyrics here are, um, "You are good in all things, perfect. I can trust your promise. Uh, it doesn't make sense how your love is so good." And and here's what really got me right here. You are good, and you can only be good. You can't be anything else. You can't be anything else. That is, uh, and I'm not a musician, that is the, the part of the song that really got me. He can only be good, and he can't be anything else. Yet, we have things in the Bible that are hard to, hard to swallow, like what we just saw in this last sermon, which was, the complete wipeout of a city, Jericho. And there are other things in the Bible, obviously, that we can point to, too, and I'm sure we will in this podcast, sure. about God's wrath and how can we explain it when He is a God that is all good. Which, Zach, the word for that is omnibenevolent. Yes. Correct? Yes, that would be a... All good suffices, though. All, all good all or good. omnibenevolent. Yeah. And omnibenevolent means... God uh, is good. God is good. or <laughs> completely good. Yeah, God is all good, all loving. Possessing perfect or unlimited goodness. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a kind of a couple of ways I think people can kind of go with this. One, um, if you, you know, uh, a fan of history, 
uh, I think it was uh, Richard Nixon when he was uh, doing his legal troubles as president said something to the effect of, if the president does it, it's legal. Like, you know, so we can't kind of look at this like, okay, God is good by definition, so whatever he does is by definition good, regardless of what we, how we might judge things. Like, he's the standard, we're not, so uh, it, uh, he automatically gets the qualifier of good. But I don't necessarily think that would be a satisfying answer for... Maybe that might be a, a satisfying for people who already trust and know God, but for others, I doubt that's going to be. It's like, but it's not for me. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's you know it. There's things in Scripture, especially the Old Testament, that are uh, by our our modern sensibilities or. Maybe it's by our being influenced by the Holy Spirit as as Christians and a, a nation that has had a Christian heritage that has influenced us uh, still to a, a high degree. We look back at some of the Old Testament things and are like, uh, why is God okay with that? You know, sure. um, and uh, it's a it's a struggle. It's true. So much so that some people try to divide the Old and the New Testament to say they were different gods. Mm. Uh, We've mentioned before a guy by the name of Marcion, very early in in church history, uh, said that, okay, the the God of the Old Testament can't be the father of Jesus because they seem to be so different. Therefore... Uh, let's ignore the Jewish scriptures and any of the uh, writings of the apostles that rely too much on the Jewish scriptures. And so he kind of created his own Bible before the church had really settled on the Bible. And that's possibly a topic for another uh, podcast about how that happened, that the church settled on that. But so it's very early on this sort of disconnect between Jesus and the Old Testament. It's it's um, you know you were talking about because God's good, so everything that happens is good. Which uh, I also and I know you you made the point I disagree with as well. That's actually would be really bad theology in in my view. That is what is known as volunteerism we you, you you all three of you've probably heard me use that word um we talk about it in the anchored faith thing and we talk about the problem of evil what, what is the anchored faith thing anchored, wait, 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 hold on <laughs> before you go into that say what you disagree with again that god is all good i agree with that 100 percent. but that everything that happens is good because god is good i disagree with we're fallen you know, we have, we have a sinful nature. So if I punch you in the face right now, that's not good. It's not loving your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. So there's a term called volunteerism, which is how Islam would view goodness. So if 9-11, a rape, murder, any horrific event, they would say it's good because Allah willed it. God willed it. And if God wills something, it's good. Right? No. God didn't will any of those things to happen. Then you have 
the Christian, what, what we would hold to, most people don't know this term, and this term isn't important, but this is just a way to, to decipher, known as essentialism, which then you ask yourself, is it good? If so, God willed it, because God's good, right? So goodness comes from God because God himself is good. So to say, you know, now we get into the context of this Joshua reading, or if you think about Genesis before the flood, wipe out every creature, man living everything on the face of the earth. And uh, what is it? Samuel, he talks about wiping out all the, the Hittites, the Amorites, everybody, women, children, everything, destroy everything. I think you had an example in um, Exodus you Exodus. were going to bring up. Yes. So if you read through the plagues, mm. you know, it's easy to think, why did God do this? And then you think, well, because Pharaoh was a jerk. Hmm. You know, I mean, there are certainly better ways of putting it, but... Pharaoh hardened his heart. But you get to about the sixth plague, and it says God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Mm -hmm. And you think, wait a minute. Did we have to go through these last five? Did we have to get to the one that says, you know, wherein all the firstborn died? I mean, that's the one that obviously gets us all. You know, so you were covered with gnats for a couple, you know. Sure, it was awful, don't get me wrong. But, you know, it's when it gets to the widespread death that you're like, why did God have to do that? But if you read, and honestly, this is something that through, through the reading I'm going through right now, kind of caught something I've never caught before. This is why you keep reading through your Bible, right? Mm -hmm. And so, in, um, you know, before any of the plagues come, and um, God is talking to um, uh, Moses and Aaron, and he says, uh, The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the people of Israel from among them. So, although obviously it came about through these terrible things happening, God was ultimately using these things to show his glory not just to Israel, but to Egypt as well, because he's their creator as well. Yeah, you hit the, I mean, for me, you hit the nail on the head, because that's the whole point of any, if you read the context of everything, like you said, like, I think it's seven, eight, and then once you get to nine, is when God, it says God hardened Pharaoh's heart. But in right. seven and eight, it all says, Pharaoh continued to harden his heart. He right. didn't believe God, which is disobedience sure. in, a, in a broader term. But, you know, God stretching out his hand, as it says there, is a Hebrew idiom for God directly intervened. Right. God himself directly intervened for himself to be glorified in, amongst not only Israel, but Egypt and every, everywhere else. So that's uh, So would you say that at God had his arm reaching out and to a point where he knew that Pharaoh would not turn towards God, so then God hardened his heart. Well, obviously God knows everything. <laughs> we got well, I know, but would you agree with that or not? Well, say it one more time. God had, a, had a, a, his hand reaching out towards Pharaoh in a loving way, saying, come to me, until he knew that Pharaoh would not turn himself to God, to, and then at that point he hardened his heart. I I would not say that because, and and this is where we when we talk about the goodness of God, we also have to come to grips with the evil of human beings. Okay, um, so for example, Pharaoh in Exodus, Pharaoh. Uh, it, it, he, he wasn't, okay, yeah, he was making things hard for Hebrew slaves. I mean, slavery, 
of an entire people is bad enough. You know, making it even harder by withholding straw and stuff. That that makes it even worse. But what's really horrible, horrific, the Pharaohs tried to commit genocide. We, we, we don't we don't like that term. We don't think about it in those terms, but he he ordered that all the male children, male Hebrew children, be murdered. Okay? So that you, you do that enough, you're you're not gonna have any more male children. And what's gonna happen to the people? They're you know, he was attempting genocide and, and going after the male children and doing that, uh, uh, let's say Pharaoh succeeded, uh commits genocide against the people of Israel. Well, who's the, the greatest descendant among the people of Israel? Jesus. Jesus, the firstborn, the only begotten Son of God. So, you know, when it, when it comes to the, the plague of the firstborn, Pharaoh is attacking God's child. And God says, no, Pharaoh, it, it's, you're going you're gonna to lose in this battle. Also... Keep in mind that the the Egyptians were uh, were polytheists. They worshipped the sun as god. One of the plagues, darkness. Yes. They worshipped the Nile. One of the plagues, blood. Pharaoh was considered a god. Okay. Well, even even Pharaoh. So all of these plagues, they they're not just a uh, gonna. You know, oh, you're attacking my people. I'm going to smack you. It's also attacking the belief systems of the people of Egypt. The belief systems that the Israelites had lived among for 430 years. So the Israelites are learning all of these gods that the, the, the nation we've been part of, that we were the, we were the slaves, we are the lowest people in the hierarchy, and the Egyptians were up here, obviously blessed by their gods. Oh, their gods aren't any gods. Yahweh's the only god. And then brings them out of Egypt and to Mount Sinai. Moses meets with God. He receives the, the Genesis, Exodus. You know, he receives the Torah from God, which includes the creation story, which basically says, hey, the sun that the, those Egyptians worship, it doesn't even get a name in the creation story. It's just the great light. Yeah, that God made that. Uh, the seas, that the Mediterranean Sea that the Egyptians worship, yeah, God, God made the seas. God made the land. He made the trees. He made all those animals. You know, you've seen the pictures of Egyptian gods and goddesses. They got the, the animal heads. Sure. All those animals, yeah, God made those. And the greatest of God's creation... You former slaves is you. You are very good in the eyes of God. So all of this is, you know, you, you reconcile the evil, abject evil of, of peoples as well as the, uh, the arc of salvation history, what God is doing and ultimately bringing about Jesus. And, and things start to make more sense. 
Uh, so we were talking about Jericho. So God brings people of, people of Israel out of Egypt. They end up wandering around the wilderness for 40 years. And then they come in across the Jordan River, first town, Jericho. And they were to commit harem, which is total destruction of this city. Men, women, children, animals, all of it, all of it goes. We like to think that, oh, ancient peoples, they were just like us. No. The, the peoples of Palestine, uh, one of the gods they worship was God Molech. Which, and they worship Molech, they would take their children and put them on a slide down into a burning furnace. And the parents were expected to stand there among everyone else and watch this without weeping. Because lest you offend Molech. You also have the worship of the Baals and the Asherahs, which were uh, fertility gods and goddesses. All right, so you're a farmer, you got crops or you got herds, you want them to reproduce and grow. You have to make Baal and Asherah reproduce. And you do that by going into the temple uh, priestess and being intimate with her in order to turn on the gods so that they will copulate, and which will then make your fields fertile. Wow. And... So, so we think, oh, they're just innocent people, just uh, frolicking in the fields, and then oh, the evil Israelites. No, these were despicable people. Um, that God pushed out to give Israel a space to eventually, through Israel, bring about the Messiah. And we see what history tells us what happens because Israel didn't do it the way God wanted. They did it like halfway and then left some of the people in the land. They got influenced. They started worshiping the Baals and the Asherahs and, and all this other stuff until uh, eventually God sent them into exile because they were, they were so disobedient and turning their back on him and, and not following him. And you add to this God's patience because none of this happens, boom, like that. Like you do one thing wrong, lightning bolt from heaven. No, the, um, it, uh, and I forget the, the verse, but, but God tells Abraham that, uh, you know, the, the sins of the, of the Amorites have not reached its, its fullness. In other words, you know, uh, 400 years before mm. this judgment comes in through the people of Israel, God says, yeah, they're bad, but they're not, they're not as bad as they're going to, they're going to get, they're not bad enough to warrant this judgment yet. Right. People of Israel, God sends prophet after prophet after prophet after prophet. They they refuse, they refuse, they refuse, they refuse until finally judgment in the uh, uh, in the in the form of the uh, exile. So 
I don't know what you mean there. I don't want to go off on too much of a tangent, but finally judgment in the form of exile. So God brings in first the Assyrian Empire to take the northern kingdom um, into exile. And then then years later... Babylonian the, captivity. Yeah, okay. Babylon, Babylonians come and exile the people of Israel and disperses, take them from the land and disperse them among the Babylonian Empire. And, you know, we sit back and we think, okay, if, if God doesn't punish evil, he's not good. Mm. But then when he punishes evil in Scripture, we say, oh, but how, how, how dare you? That's a good point. I think, <clears throat> I think we struggle because they don't always go hand in hand in our minds, our human, you know, brains, with... God being good and God also being just. <laughs> well, there's a lot of... Sam made... Every word he said was an excellent point, but there's a lot of things at play in this whole... Like, to just try to single out God's goodness in this is really difficult without... Because that attribute of God is not mutually exclusive to everything else that God is. God is sovereign mm-hmm. and, and he's just, right? He's holy, he's righteous, he's all these things. And... Sam said it without directly saying it, but if you, at any one of these examples that anybody can find in the Bible, but obviously we're talking about Jericho, we've talked about the Amorites, we've talked about Exodus, we've talked about, context tells you everything you need to know. God chose the people of Israel to be a light to the nations in the Old Testament. They were sanctified. They were to demonstrate who God really was. Explain sanctified. they're, They're set apart. They're set apart. The nation of Israel... The Jews were set apart to be a light to the Gentiles, a yeah. light to the nations. So, so when people look at the people of Israel, they were to see they're different yeah. because their God is, is different. Yeah, the true God. So when you look at the context of these stories, you see, like Sam said, it wasn't just a, you're done, right? God's merciful. Sure. So there was always a lead-up process, right? In some cases, he gave them... <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of years before he was like, oh, I've had enough of you. But it was always because, you know, just like the Jericho story, you there was influencing the Jewish people. Lest you come in and lose your identity, lose your God, worship their gods, insert their gods into your culture. They were always, there were things that those pagan cultures did that were, uh, I, I don't know, the word I'm trying to, but just negatively influencing God's people. In pagan meaning. Worshiping multiple yeah, gods. Multiple yeah, multiple gods. Yeah. So then you have God's sovereignty at play here. With We were talking a little bit about why some of this stuff happens. God's goodness, he's righteous. Well, God's sovereignty in Pharaoh in all of these situations can be played out. I, I read a quote actually this week by um, Dr. Dwight Pentecost, who is a Dallas Theological Seminary professor and, and wrote a bunch of great books. But things actually Pentecost? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dwight J. Pentecost. Really? That doesn't sound real. Yeah. Uh, Sorry. It, it, Go ahead. It, he was quoting on God's <laughs> sovereignty, and he said, uh, uh, I'll paraphrase it because I won't get it word for word, but God's sovereignty is irrefutable, right? You can't, and there's nothing you can do to thwart it. Men accept it, and God use it, works through men who accept his sovereignty. There are those who reject it, and there are those who are completely ignorant of it. Regardless, God's will is always done. And so you have Pharaoh who rejects it. You have 
many Israelites who are completely ignorant of, of it at the time. You have Moses, Aaron, so on and so forth, Joshua, that accept it. Um, and God's sovereignty is never thwarted. But the, his goodness, we can't separate it from, you can't isolate one. It's hard to and not bring in other aspects yeah. of who God is. And so a lot of this is, you know, we try to judge the king. He's sovereign. We're, we're trying to say, okay, God, this is how you can be just within our framework. But, okay, he is omniscient. He's all-knowing. So he knows a lot better than we do. We don't have nearly enough facts to be able to judge God's response in any given situation. Right, because the, the common thing always comes, well, okay, I know he killed those bad people, but why'd they have to kill all the children? What if they would have grown up to be good people? Exactly, which, which, which they just into... answered, although it probably might not have caught it. I did not catch it. <laughs> well, so God knowing what would have happened... He knows how those children would have grown up. And God's just, and he's sovereign, so he can decide. Would you say that um, God would never kill, kill someone that, that would potentially accept Jesus as their Savior? So, like, do you think in Jericho there were people... That if they could have lived longer, could have accepted God. Yes, Rahab and her family. But they were saved. Yeah, they were saved. My, I know, that's what, yeah. that's what he's saying, is they're the ones who would have, yeah, and my, they were the ones who were saved. My view is no, there were no potential believers there. I mean, because you have examples where he barters with even Abraham and people. If there's five righteous people, if there's ten righteous people, would you spare the town? I agree with you, because... That would go against his characteristic of being all good. At, at the we, same time, though, sorry, Sam. At the same time, I think that, um, you know, it's tough. If you think about David and Bathsheba, right? I mean, the, their first son Explain the story. died. David or David had Uriah put on front lines killed, had adult, committed adultery with Bathsheba, Uriah's husband. They had their firstborn son died. When you read the Psalms, David, you know, and his weeping of that, and Sam, fill me in here because my mind's everywhere too if I admit, but he, he basically in the Psalms, one of them reads that he looks forward to seeing his son again, that he knows that he's with heaven, in heaven with God. What I'm trying to say is, in, in the Jericho situation, my view is nobody there that was destroyed is in the presence of Jesus right now. It's not, it's not in heaven. Rahab and her family, that was... But can people be wiped out in God's sovereignty that, for instance, a child, a kid, you know, because there's an age of accountability. We can talk about that later. It's a whole other thing. But maybe God knows God's all good. This world isn't the best place, but he knows how to get the best way to get to the best possible world. So maybe a kid did die and God spared them from what would have happened in their life and just brought them home to be with him. That To me, that's possible. In this situation, I don't think so, but I don't want to say God would never... Yeah, so... That, that makes sense. Thank you for explaining that. Yeah, so basically we're, we're saying we... We... I trust God... Yes. To, ...to judge justly. Okay? 
that what I do know from scripture, from history, from how God has worked in my own life, he has shown himself to me to be good. And so I trust him. And I'm willing to, you know, all of these things either, you know, maybe that child dying before the age of accountability is what <laughs> that child is able now to go to heaven and have a chance to grow up and be a rapist. I mean, there's, I trust that God knows much better than me. He is far, you know, just the times that I have to make a judgment call People come to the church and they, they need assistance. And I've got to decide with the limited funds of the church, how much can we help? And I'm like, I, I don't know nearly enough to tell whether this person is lying to me or if this is a true legit need. And I've got to, got to just kind of take a chance. So even the, the small time, you know, small cases that I have to judge, I, I know what a horrible judge I would be. And so I'm trusting that a God who is infinitely wiser, infinitely better than me in every possible way, is going to make a good judgment. And, you know, one other thing we, we might factor into this is, okay, God did that then, why doesn't he do that now? Mm. See, the, one of the difference between now and then is the Holy Spirit living among God's people where the people of Israel are answering to the law which is outside of them okay and we could probably spend a lot of time in this but Paul makes a big deal of that in his letters the law is outside of you it doesn't change your heart the Holy Spirit is inside you the Holy Spirit changes your heart so the people of Israel surrounded by pagan nations a lot more susceptible to corrupting influences. The people of God, which are Jews who place their faith in Christ and non-Jews who place their faith in Christ, receive the Holy Spirit and that makes a difference. All right, so uh, for God's people to now walk among a world that, you know, people who are not Christians, we have a greater deal of help mm. in the Holy Spirit than they had with the law. So to simply put that, because the Holy Spirit, but, man, there's a long explanation, but I'm looking for a short answer. <laughs> <laughs> the short answer is that the coming of Jesus and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit changes everything. Amen. Well, I uh, we we're about out of time on this podcast. Maybe we'll continue this on another one. Maybe we'll uh, catch you on uh, a different subject. But uh, we appreciate you guys joining in. Yeah, thanks for joining. Thank you. And, yes, thank uh, you. Yeah. Have a good one. We'll see you guys.